we don't realize that we actually cannot make as much change if the political systems are not engaging to solving the problems. The movie annoyed a lot of people because you see it's lashing out at everyone, it's lashing out at the mainstream science, it's lashing out at the government. So in that regard, I think maybe what critics didn't like was that the movie was a bit too nihilistic in their opinion. Welcome to another episode of the Science Journal podcast. I'm your host, Russell, and today I'm joined by three other members of the Science Journal team, Shahir, Alyssa, and Asmai. Welcome, guys. Hi, Russell. We also have the honor of being joined by Ezra. Welcome to the podcast. Could you please tell us a bit about yourself and your interests? Hi again. Uh, my name is Ezra. I'm, I got to see you. I'm from Tanzania. I'm interested a lot in I'm trying to understand humans by themselves and human relationships. And therefore, my interests range from philosophy, sociology at large, and then also the interactions between human beings. So stuff like economics and education, those really uh, matter to me a lot. Um, I study computer science because I find it to be quite a unique tool um, in creating an amalgamation or sort of networking or interacting between all those realms of human interactions. I'm very excited today to be discussing about this movie. Thank you for inviting and having me here. Thank you, Ezra. So just as he said, Ezra is joining us today to discuss Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up is one of the biggest movies of the past year. It was released on Netflix, but and is produced by Adam McKay. It was really successful and it's actually the second most watched movie in Netflix history. And it was nominated for Best Picture at this year's Oscars. So this movie has actually generated a lot of conversation on social media and all forms of mass media due to its content and the way it was delivered. Don't Look Up stars two scientists played by Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio. These scientists discovered that there's a comet about to hit Earth in about six months and naturally they tried their best to stop it. They approached all the relevant bodies, including the president and the media, but they are turned away. Eventually, the president, played by Meryl Streep, agrees to help fight off the comet. However, she is soon approached by Bach, which is owned by one of the donors of her political campaign. And this donor, who is also a tech CEO and the third richest man on earth, convinces the president to abort the comet deflection mission because he realizes that the comet has these rare elements which he can use to make cell phones. Thus, he gathers his own group of scientists to help disassemble the comet, but eventually his plan fails and everyone dies, except them because they are able to flee to space using starships, but eventually they are also eaten by alien dinosaurs. So in the aftermath of this movie, there has been a lot of discourse, debate, reviews, counter reviews and so on, and I was hoping we could join this conversation ourselves. So Ezra, let me start with you. Could you please tell me how you felt after seeing Don't Look Up for the first time? To summarize it is what America is at the moment, the chaotic America, how it is at the moment. And that's the definition of what I could get out of the movie. Because thankfully, the chaos that was incoming was an external chaos because it wasn't man-made. It's a comet coming from outer space. But everything that was happening in relation, the scientific community reaction, the political community and the politics, the media, the interaction between people, 
all those are things that are very much within the control of human relations or human relations and how different parties were taking responsibilities or not and how different parties were trying to have interest in something that's calyptic. That was interesting to me in trying to, uh, but was quite disturbing because it's very real from our perspective and from what I could conclude, and at least on one level, is that it's quite easy to become realistic from the perspective that you can see out of the movie in the end, because, well, eventually everybody dies, except the chief of staff. Very interesting. What did the rest of you guys think of the scene? Don't look up. I think the inclination to watch the movie more so than it being like a really good movie is I feel like it got a bandwagon effect kind of hype where because it was being talked about so much and being criticized, people were like, I want to see what this is about. And I feel like that's how it gained its fame and potentially became like the, not potentially, it became the second most watched film on, on Netflix. I think that it's very interesting to how, as to how the director implies this metaphor of climate change into the message of the movie portrayed by the plant killing comet comes to hit earth and stuff like that. And it just shows the inability of society to kind of collectively come together to avoid it or prevent it or work together. And I think in several instances in the movie, you see how everybody wants their own personal benefit and nobody like is willing kind of to collaborate or to cooperate to save the world. And it's exactly what in real life right now is that, you know, people will do what's good for them, but not necessarily what's good for everyone else or the collective good. So it was interesting. I personally did not like the movie. I felt like it was super, super long. Yeah, I think it was an hour and something or two hours. I'm not sure entirely, but I recall I genuinely wanted to take it as a useful movie, but I just found it very, there was a lack of substance in it, if that makes sense. But that's my two cents on the movie. Yeah, it does. Thanks. That's my answer here. What did you think? I honestly really enjoyed the movie for several reasons. Like my first impression of it was like, oh my gosh, the cast is phenomenal. Like whenever I opened up and like I saw the little, like the little box, I saw Leonardo DiCaprio, Ariana Grande, Jennifer Lawrence. I was like, how do you get all of these people to star in one movie? This is insane. <laughs> and whenever I started watching it, I was taken aback by just how much this movie embodies everything that's wrong with humanity, to be honest. Like whenever you're presented with an apocalyptic situation, that people are making memes on social media, people are not taking it seriously, how the media is profiting off of that and not really even giving it as much attention as they should. And I do believe that, honestly, if an apocalyptic situation like that were to happen in real life, then it's a fairly accurate representation of what would happen, especially like when it comes to social media, because whenever you see, for example, on TikTok, whenever something like whenever wars are happening or whatever, you see a lot of memes about it on TikTok and it just makes me feel so uncomfortable. And I think the movie depicted that in such a brilliant way. And yeah, I thought it was a great movie, honestly. I did as well. Don't worry. I liked it too. Shakir, what yeah. about you? I like the movie because it gives us insight into the pettiness of human nature. So Mark Rylance, who plays the antagonist in the movie, he sacrifices the planet for the chance to make some profit from mining the asteroid. 
And then Meryl Streep, she forgets about her son when they're about to abandon the planet. And then there's the general who charges Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio for snacks that are supposed to be free. So the movie gives us cool insights into just how human nature can stretch its limits when it comes to pettiness. So I didn't think it was a good movie, but it was definitely a movie for the binge watcher. You just leave it on your television and it blares on and on. It was not a prestige movie. And if I were to talk about other movies that Leonardo DiCaprio starred in, then maybe I'll put Don't Look Up at Par with The Wolf of Wall Street. But in my opinion, it is still overshadowed by A Mile by Inception and Shutter Island. Interesting ranking here. I actually don't think I've seen any of these movies besides Don't Look Up, of course, but I'll be sure to check them out. Anyway, my biggest criticisms with Don't Look Up was the portrayal of the media. I feel this was very dissonant from what would actually happen in real life. I think back to the scene where Jennifer Lawrence and DiCaprio's characters approach the morning show with their hopes of getting the story out, and the deflection from the host towards their story was very interesting to me. Because I feel in reality, any morning show host or media curator will take such a story seriously, especially given the credentials of said scientists. I look at COVID, for instance, and how it was discussed and dissected very thoroughly, whether whether it was believable or whether people felt it was still discussed. And I think back at Monkeypox, which is actually in the airways right now, and how it's also getting traction. So yeah, I do think this is one glaring difference between reality and don't look up. Do you guys agree? How they portray the media, it's the sensationalization of news. How they're trying to make everything try to seem attractive. That wasn't the correct portrayal of the media. And also the channels of releasing communication was a bit limited. I think it was intentional in the focus of how the movie was aimed at how the information was to be released. Because scientists do have journals, do have, these days they even have their own YouTube channels and podcasts uh, themselves. So the use of the media and the, uh, the angle that the media was portrayed was quite pessimistic, which in a sense, that, that's why I think my take in the end was that it's, it, you come out with a very nihilistic view of the world, or at least the media itself, because the, how the media it wasn't intended to serve the public as a tool of informing what's happening. Rather, it was intended to be a tool of those way the information was intended to be supplied to the public so that they can consume some type of information for the benefit of some shareholders in some sense. And I wasn't very happy about that, how the media was portrayed. But in some truth, that's actually how the media works at large. Uh, very much trying to co compete with social media because now social media like Twitter seems to be at par with that. And then you try to sensationalize your news and you distort how the real message that is to be received by the public because you do remember that after their stories, what they were tracking is how social media was responding to how their media was, how their news was shared across public. Yeah. Now, if that's how the intention is, if that's the goal of how news is shared, then it distorts their real intention of having people informed. And that was my take, which was not very good of how the media was portrayed. <laughs> yeah, that's a different perspective. I agree with you, actually. Anyone else? I can jump in and say a couple of things. The thing is, I saw a very American representation of media. And the thing is, you don't want to put all media outlets in one basket because every news organization, every media organization has an agenda and they can be extremely different. And it was a little unrealistic how whenever they reached out to one outlet and they didn't do the story justice or whatever, they went to one talk show and they didn't do what was supposed to be done. I was expecting them to go to other 
news organizations to go to other talk shows that maybe would have given them more time and would have taken them more seriously, but they didn't do that. So I, that was a little confusing for me as a journalism student. For us, like when we try to get guests, you reach out to 10 people at a time and then you wait for one to get back to you. So like them being guests trying to find news organizations to talk to, they should have reached out to a lot more and maybe like even try to go to other news organizations outside of the U.S. to give us like a more international perspective. So I didn't like how it was, you know, American centric. And also like they showed how the U.S. is polarized politically, but they didn't really show it in the media. They showed it in like protests and whenever like the president was speaking or whatever. But I was expecting them to show like more protests, more divisions, and maybe even touch upon the politics of other countries quickly, but they didn't really do that. And I just like to catch up from where Asma left off. I'm not a journalism student, so to the uninformed viewer like myself, there is a lot of skepticism about the media. I just like to point that out, and especially mainstream media. So in the movie, you see Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence on the set of the morning show, where they try to go and warn the world about the incoming asteroid. But the hosts are like, hey, listen, be pleasant, all right? Be playful, be likable, don't touch on things that might be a bit controversial, and then you look at Leonardo DiCaprio and he's like, what are you talking about? There's a comet headed our way that's going to wipe out civilization. How can we take this lightly and how can we make this playful? So in that way, I think the movie does capture some frustration amongst audiences regarding mainstream media. And I think another very important aspect that the movie talks about is social media and the power of social media. Because we see that the real sentiments of people, the frustration with the inaction, and the government incompetence at stopping this disaster from ha- happening, it actually relieves itself and releases itself in social media through trends and through Twitter posts and through Instagram influencing. So I think it really touches a nerve with artists like myself. Now, social media has become an essential component of communication and in some cases, it even retains more validity than mainstream communication for better or for the worse. So I think it really touches a nerve with audiences like myself. Social media has become an essential component of communication for us. And in some cases, it even retains more validity than mainstream communication for better or for the worse. So I think it really touches a nerve with audiences like myself. And social media has become an essential component of communication for us. And in some cases, it even retains more validity than mainstream communication for better or for the worse. I hope that makes sense. It does. I think that's a good point. So another thing I found really fascinating was in one of the closing scenes, Ariana Grande hosted this benefit concert and she was basically getting the crowd to sing along to a song called Just Look Up. And I feel this is something that happens a lot in real life. In times of crisis, we see celebrities gather around and release music, which they believe is supposed to help the situation. But in actuality, I think it does nothing and it's, if anything, it's just for their own benefit. We've seen it with Whitney Houston's The Greatest Love of All, which was released back in the late 80s or early 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Michael Jackson's We Are The World, which has really, which these two songs became huge monster hits, but they didn't really reflect the situation of what was happening on the ground and they didn't alleviate the situation as well. Do you guys agree with this or? Do you think these songs are actually really helpful? And do they actually make you feel better? So I think it's very interesting because there's the component of it that, you know, we know that fan culture is very, it has power. It has a lot of power in a lot of different ways. Uh, people will do 
like almost anything to vouch for their idol or support whatever their idol supports. For example, let's say Ariana Grande loves Coke. So then you have her fans going out and buying Coke. Which or kind of Coke? <laughs> Coca-Cola, sorry. Like I'm yeah. talking about one, called the other kind of Coke. Or for example, band or something go to a specific place and then ask their fans for specific donations for the like organization or charity. Then in that sense, it can be helpful. However, you also have the other end of the spectrum where people are going to be like, for their own good publicity, they're going to be like, um, oh, I'm going to perform a concert here or or I'm going to make a song about this and this, uh, and then use the cause to gain traction for their own benefit, but not like, for example, uh, give the donations or the money or the profits to uh, the actual organizations. So yeah, you have two ends of the spectrum where it can be a good thing, but it also can backfire and not, you know, be have or contain malicious intent. So yeah, I, there are two ways to see the situation. Yeah, truly a dicey issue. Anyone else? Regarding the aesthetics of this particular moment in the movie when they're having the concert, I think it was very pleasant. And I think it was a bit romantic as well. There were a stage when there was a lot of an action, so now they, I think they reconciled themselves with the notion that things are going, the momentum of an action is going to carry itself forward. So they sort of admitted themselves that, yeah, things are not going to work out, so all we can do is celebrate the time that we have left together with each other. Maybe I'm a little bit biased because I am an Ariana Grande fan, but I do believe that if something like that happens in real life, and I do think that it will happen if we were to be in an apocalyptic situation again, I think it's important to raise awareness about the issue, especially like whenever they do that, they're targeting a specific audience that maybe is not following the media, maybe is not following the news in detail, and they don't know much about it. So I think it can be a way to raise awareness about whatever is happening. And I do think it can be very important in that way, just like, like pop culture holds a lot of power and... I do think it's important for stuff like that to happen, but at the same time, like they shouldn't really overdo it or spend too much money that could be spent otherwise and be put to good use. But I do believe it would be a very good thing in a situation like that to raise awareness. Yeah, I see where you're coming from as well. Because <laughs> if I think if maybe I may be biased in my condemnation of these songs, because if my favorite artist were to release this, I think I would be sympathetic to the cause as well. Right guys, I have some questions for you. So the first question that I have for you guys is why do you think the movie tanked with critics? I'm looking at its statistics on Rotten Tomato and it's sitting at 55% fresh. And we talked about it. This is an all-star movie. It has a powerful cast and it has some very great ideas behind it. And even more importantly, it is one of the most viewed and watched movies on Netflix. I think what this, what the criticism like really like generates a lot of talk about was the balancing between advocacy and satire because like you also have the element that like while satire exposes and in this movie like it exposes human like the our behavior as humans i'm not i'm generalizing here and then you also have the advocacy part which is portrayed through some of the characters uh, and it's sometimes provoking because it's oh this is a hero this is a oh, a role model or this is you know ge- generates conversation so Different people have different understandings of that. And I think that's why there was a lot of different criticisms on the movie. Perfect. Thank you, Alyssa. I think that's a very profound point that you made over there regarding the influence 
of satire in the movie and how that resonated with critics. If I were to talk about myself, then my take would be a bit more simplistic than yours. I'd say that maybe the movie annoyed a lot of people because, you see, it's lashing out at everyone. It's lashing out at the mainstream science. It's lashing out at the government. So in that regard, I think maybe what critics didn't like was that the movie was a bit too nihilistic in their opinion. That maybe they didn't see a lot of plot growth and a lot of development of characters and the story. But that's just me. Russell, if you could please give us your take on this as well. Yeah, given the Rotten Tomatoes score, as you mentioned, which is 55%, it just shows how divisive this movie was. And I think it's mainly part, it's partly because of the ending, because in many of these post-apocalyptic movies, we see that the protagonists saved the world. So in this case, where everyone died, I think we were just disappointed by the ending. And as such, the critics based their frustrations on that in their reviews. I, I think I can agree with Yes, please go ahead, Ezra. I think very much with what Russell said, because I agree that I do I do the movie trying to take an angle of trying to see how pessimistic and terribly uh, terrible we can be as humans to try to fix our own problems. But at least this one, problems coming from outside. So it would have been easier for us to approach it as a common enemy, but we still used it as a main to dig ourselves into our own trenches of divisiveness. And I think that was, that was a bit overboard in trying to see. We can be really good as humans. We can really come together and solve problems. But that wasn't seen. There was no hope that was highlighted out of that. Because in the end, we all died. And it seemed like, really? Were there not any ways out? Were there no <laughs> other possible fix? Um, was it just after Russia and India fails and China and then U.S. become the only hope in the world. It's actually, it really gave me some triggers on how the balance of work of power works at, at a global level, because I, I don't think that was quite optimistic. Yeah, but I do, I do thank them. At least they highlighted the issues that I think we should collectively try to address. If that was the point, then they got it good at least for me. Yeah, I'm just gonna bounce off quickly off of what Ezra said. I think also the expectation of a specific formula for movies, you know, where the hero saves the world and everything, similar to what Russell and Ezra were saying. We're so used to that. We're so used to like having happy endings sometimes. We're so used to like having hope sometimes. But then when it's, wait, did I just spend two hours watching a movie for the whole human race to die? It, I think it can piss off some people and rightfully so. Yeah, that's another way to as well look at the situation or why critics didn't like the movie. I agree with you guys. I also thought that the resolution of the movie it wasn't expected at least. I don't want to say it was disappointing, but it wasn't expected. And now I'd like to put in another question about climate change. It's a very important topic. It's a conversation that we're having right now everywhere. And the people behind this movie, they said after its release that in fact, this movie is about climate change and how oblivious we are to it happening. But to be very honest, I wasn't able to figure it out. After I watched the movie, I didn't realize that this is actually about climate change. And then there was another great offering in the past few years, a Game of Thrones. And George R. R. Martin, who was the brains behind the project, he also said that Game of Thrones is about climate change. And I honestly, I couldn't figure it out back then either. I thought it was about the Crusades. I thought Game of Thrones was about the War of Roses. And it was like a recollection of historical events. So I'd like to get your take on this too. What do you think about the depiction of climate change in television and movie offerings, such as Don't Look Up and Game of Thrones? Elisa, please go ahead. I haven't really seen Game of Thrones, so I can't really comment on that. But I think 
like where it misses the mark with these kind of movies is that I don't necessarily think it's tackling climate change, but it's giving you like a post-apocalyptic <laughs> perspective on a situation, which is similar to how we perceive or some people perceive climate change. And then it tells you to, it's the same, you know, the way we look at this like big um, topic is the same way some people look at climate change. So I don't necessarily think it's the movie is about climate change, but rather our human uh, approach or behavior towards uh, topics that are like beyond our brains and stuff like that in some capacity. And I, and I think it's interesting to see because then you have other movies like An Inconvenient Truth, which I watched back in, in, in I think my sophomore year of college where uh, in the Ways of Knowing class that was offered. And then you have that, which is a, basically a, uh, another uh, depiction of climate change and the effects of it. But then you have a bunch of other movies or documentaries or whatnot. The genre differs, of course, but they have the concrete facts and stuff like that. And they, it's interesting because what what kind of, you know, seems to be the issue here is that whether you make a, a truthful and accurate depiction of climate change, people's actions, it's not what people, what, what you know, the producer hopes were like there's a vision that like or hope that by watching this movie we are going to take our part in dealing with the problem but then you have it, it, it doesn't do that exactly that's not how things work you know they influence us sure but we're not just gonna by ourselves it, it takes collective action regarding the the whole like climate change discourse in this particular manner is i don't really think the movie was or is despite them saying so that it's a metaphor for climate change i think it's about the topic of climate change like how we handle it and stuff like that but not necessarily the science of it or you know so it looks more about the human approach sorry as i repeated but yeah those are just like what i think i think that if there was an actual you know climate change issue or something presented like that i think it would have been more believable that yeah maybe perhaps this is about climate change but i don't really see it despite the director saying or inferring so and i think Alyssa, i think that's maybe not a bad thing because in the end you need to retain audiences right you have amazing documentaries like planet earth and blue planet by david attenborough they're a different genre but these are popular offerings they need to appeal to the masses and so it has a sort of trickle-down and influencer approach towards climate change. That's not a bad thing, as you've said. Exactly, as you said, but precisely, influencer. This is what really sells right now. And I think it's a smart approach to take on the whole like pop culture influencer craze or buzz to talk about things like this. I completely agree with you on that, 100%. Um, Ezra, can we hear from you? Yeah, sure. So... I think I found it quite easy to make it a metaphor of climate change, actually, because fortunately for this one, I thought a comet is an external factor. Nobody can be blamed for a comet coming through. It's just nature. And therefore, what the movie, at least from a perspective, was trying to look at is how we as humans can take control of what is coming towards us. And we did not. And one thing which we, we haven't quite spoken about it's the role of political power in deciding the fate of how things uh, turn out it's there's so much investment of political power in the decisions that we as a society happen to have but at the same time we seem to have a very 
nihilistic perspective of our political systems and therefore we do not invest as much. And as a result, people who know how influential political power can be manipulate that to advantage to the extreme, which is how the Ishwell company Bash was able to basically turn human fate into a company a company means of profiteering. And that's because they know how powerful political systems can be, yet how futile we are in managing those systems effectively. I thought I, I saw it to be an easy matter of climate change because climate change, when you watch those David Attenborough documentaries, I think he's presenting them from a scientific perspective. He's not trying to bring in any media cases or political cases. He sometimes highlights the shortcomings of those, but he doesn't bring them up to be a critical part of the movie. He just shows you the science. He shows you what's really happening in the world. And we need that. We need to see that. But we don't realize that we actually cannot make as much change if the political systems are not engaging to solving the problems. And I think that was the goal from a perspective of this movie to show that there's a lot of to be there's a, a big role to be played by the media and by political systems that we have in combating these problems and we have to act as a common race it's just all as humans are the same species rather than creating this as a divisive tool of us versus them because that was an external tool we have a lot of things that are our own made issues and are not resolving them and i think it was an easier metaphor to use because it couldn't be quite divisive because um, if you picked up stuff like anything that can lead to war for example or famine then those can be divisive because maybe there's political interest or something like that but this is a comment everybody doesn't have you can't say it was brought by the conservatives or by the liberals or anyone it's just a comment deal with it and we don't deal with it yeah it was quite a good metaphor of something that we have to solve and we we're not really trying to do as much or any good job in doing that correctly. Excellent. Thank you, Ezra. Your comments regarding the inaction of the political system and the climate crisis as being an event that has to be responded to urgently are very well taken. Russell, will you hear from you on this? Honestly, before watching the movie, I knew it was about climate change due to the discourse on social media. So I guess I knew what I was getting into. I think it didn't, the movie didn't do as good as job of making it very explicit about it being about climate change. It was very subtle, but I think it did a better job by highlighting other dangers of the facets of American culture, such as how politics divides, like how politics takes control of everyone's daily life. There was this scene where Jennifer Lawrence character went back to her parents' home. And they told her that if they were to allow her to come in, she should, they should, she should agree not to speak about the comments, which is basically politics. So I think that was really an accurate representation of something that happens in real life. And the director did a very good job there. With the subtlety of the comments and climate change, that really went to lots of people's heads. Like after all, people started talking about it afterwards. So I think that was also good. It was a good decision to do that. Thank you, Russell, for your analysis of the movie in that regard. And I think, guys, we are now done. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks to the team, Asma, Russell, Alyssa, and special thanks to you, Ezra, for joining us here today for this very special episode about Don't Look Up. I hope you had fun. Let's be sure it did. Thank you as well. Thank you for having me. This, this was fun. This is good.
Thank you for listening to the Science Journal podcast. Don't forget to visit our website, sciencejournalqa.com, for updates. There's a blog by contributor Iman Bohr on Don't Look Up. Be sure to check that out. Also, please follow us on Instagram at sciencejournal.qa. This episode was produced by Professor Anto Mosin and his research assistants, Russell Ajedu and Shahir Leakat. It was edited by Russell Ajedu and Ahmed Jassim. Graphics and artwork by Ahmed Jassim. Thank you.